All right, I'm going to unmute you. I was just texting you. Oh, good. 501. Dude, we got to give like the last minute stragglers like a moment to get in, you know? It's all of my students. Can you hear me okay? Good. I got you. Nice. Can you hear me? Can you, I'm outside, so can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you good. Yeah. Yeah, okay, the, earbuds, let me know. The, the earbuds make a big difference. Okay. Let me know because I have like people, you know, kids and stuff outside. If it gets too uh, uh, realistic for what it's like to have an insane family, just let me know and I'll go inside into a quiet no, I, wa I, want it, I want it to be as realistic as possible. <laughs> um uh, you record you record the video too right people can see this video yeah yeah yeah. i i set it up for a pay-per-view <laughs> um so before i thank you for doing this uh thank you to all the people who are on here right now watching and and listening and potentially participating um so the way we'll do this matt and i will chat a little bit We'll see, we'll see what happens. If you have questions at any point, you can always type them into the little chat box and it'll come to me if, you're, if you want me to ask. If you feel like you wanna jump on and ask, you can do the little raise your hand option um, and I'll unmute you and you can and jump on and uh, say or ask whatever, whatever's on your mind. Um, before I uh, hand things over to Matt to, to talk all about himself, I just want to say that this is really amazing and exciting. Um, I don't know most of the people who are here, and I assume I don't know most people who will end up listening, but Matt um, really changed my life. And I realize I'm saying that knowing that every single person you meet in your life changes your life in some way, but oftentimes you can't look back and reflect on, on how or, or measure it in any way. But you know, when we met, it was a real critical moment that really changed everything. Um, at the time, Matt was still teaching CrossFit, um, had started practicing movement, and I was just like a trainer at a regular gym, and I felt like I didn't know anything, so I wanted to hire somebody to teach me things that I didn't know, and I ended up at the CrossFit gym that Matt was working at, and I always leave this part of the story, but I think it's an interesting part. I had actually was training with someone else, like doing private coaching, learning how to work around a barbell. And then I saw some people doing things on the rings and I was like, oh, like, what's that all about? And he was like, oh, well, you should talk to this guy, Matt. He's like really into that stuff. And I was just like, okay. So I stopped paying him. And then I, I, I also just reached out to Matt without knowing who he was or anything about him. I was like, oh, you, someone just said you're the guy to like go to to learn things about the rings, not knowing anything myself other than like whatever I'd seen in the Olympics. And, you know, from there, Matt became my teacher and then he became my friend. And then he also you know, helped me learn how to teach and got me into the coaching program at the CrossFit gym. He let me assist him when he was teaching a gymnastics class that later became a movement class. And then when he left for Boulder, um, I kind of took his role at that gym and, and the rest is kind of history, but I didn't know anything about this world. And I realized that I crossed paths with Matt when he was just kind of discovering it himself. 
Um, so, you know, we're friends, but, you know, more so this is somebody who, who played like a, a major role in, in where I'm at now in my life. So, you know, there, there's a lot there that I want to, I want to get into because, you know, this relationship means a lot to me. Um, so you should know that as well. <laughs> Thank you. It means a lot to me too. Not to cut you off, but I had to say it. Yeah. Um, but Matt has done amazing things since he left New York and I've gotten to kind of watch from afar. He hasn't just opened a really successful movement facility. He's also become a dad and is like, uh, you know, dad famous on Instagram. And, you know, it's been amazing to like witness these things. And, you know, I think people who have crossed paths with Matt always think of him as this person who's not just a great teacher, but has this like, uh, this charismatic magic about him that, that draws people to him. Um, so I understand why there are so many, I assume some of your students are here watching because, you know, you have that way of, of connecting with people. Um, we talk a lot and I, uh, you know, I, I realized there are lots of things I just, I don't even, I don't even know. I, I never got to see you as a CrossFit coach, really, or, or as a CrossFit participant. Um, but I, but I remember when we met, you were working for CrossFit gymnastics at the time. What came yeah. first? Were you like in CrossFit gymnastics and then you started studying movement or did you get into movement? And then you're like, oh, well, while I'm in the CrossFit world, this is like a good direction for me to go. Yeah, actually, it's funny. I, as you asked that, I was like, I don't remember. But I'll tell you, um, the number one, I love you. Thank <laughs> you for saying those things. I, I, everything that you've said um, lands pretty heavy with me. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was meant to be. So our time together was amazing. I miss you. And um, I hope to see you very soon, if possible. Yeah. But um, yeah, going back to that, I mean, the I was... So when I was in Steamboat, I was a firefighter in Steamboat. I got really into CrossFit because like, you know, I, I was fat, um, way heavier. I wasn't like uh, in horrific shape. I was just like 50 pounds heavier, right? So I could still move around. Like I was still skiing and doing all this stuff. I was very active, but I just was like, I ate like shit. I drank beer. So when I was a fireman, I, I found CrossFit because there was actually a CrossFit gym in Steamboat, which is a town of 10,000 people in the middle of nowhere. And they've had a gym there for a long time. Um, so when I got back to New York and was teaching CrossFit, oh, here's what I was going to say. I ran a marathon off the couch on my way back to losing weight. I think you told and, me. I remember this. Yeah. So this marathon, the Steamboat Marathon, you start at like 11,000 feet and you run downhill to 7,000 feet over 26 miles. So it's like also just brutal. Downhill brutal, that many feet, like running. So you're just, you fuck your body up. And also, am I allowed to swear on this? Do I, sure, I, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool. I don't know if Alexa's uh, monitoring that. So. No, but I think both of our moms are listening. Okay. Sorry, guys. That's Actually, okay. I, I don't know where my mom is. It's sad. But um, she's supposed to be here. <laughs> but anyway, so I, so I hurt myself. This is how really I got into Ito's work. I jacked up my Achilles tendon. Like it was, 
I don't know if you remember that when we met, like my Achilles was brutal. Every day I would wake up and I had like tendinosis, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever you, when, you know, you walk, you get out of bed, the first few steps are just super uncomfortable. And then the rest of the day you kind of go on. But anytime you, I jumped, it was brutal. Mm-hmm. So I was doing CrossFit and realized that like I needed to take a break. I couldn't do plyometrics. Like, I couldn't do box jumps. I couldn't Olympic lift. It was really bad. Mm-hmm. And I think from there, I just started to get more into the body weight stuff just as a way to keep training, mm-hmm. but not to stop, right? But not to be doing some of the stuff that bothered me. And I think it was sort of like this thing where I was getting interested in that stuff, kind of going online, looking at blogs, seeing what like the gymnastics bodies people were doing, trying to figure out how to kind of program that for myself. And I think during that time I had started, um, maybe I had like six months where I was doing a lot of body weight stuff, but I hadn't heard of Edo, which mm-hmm. in hindsight is really interesting, but you also realize like as much as we think like uh, that Ito is very well known, it's also, he's not that well known. You know what I mean? Um, So I was working for, I ended up getting involved with CrossFit gymnastics probably at the same time that I had started working with Ito. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty much like in sort of like I started internship, like an internship with CrossFit gymnastics right as I started doing online training. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's my long story of how how we got to CrossFit gymnastics, which is yeah. Um, were you coaching in Steamboat before you moved to New York, or did you start teaching in New York? No, so I was actually so Mike, who was a great guy who owns that gym up, he still I think he still owns it up there. Um, sort of had me like apprentice thing and was letting me work with. I was coaching like the fire department, and mm-hmm. then I was um, I wasn't teaching classes I don't think but I remember doing private I remember doing a lot of stuff where I was kind of like this weird guy like I was in CrossFit Virtuosity uh-huh. who was just doing things on the side right um that's sort of my thing I'm the weird guy on the side yeah but that but 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 you went through the Virtuosity uh coaching program oh oh yeah I mean I went when I went to CrossFit when I got to Brooklyn I just moved and all of a sudden there's a CrossFit gym two blocks away. Mm-hmm. I went in there just as a guy wanting to do CrossFit and ha- with a lot of interest in teaching it. Mm-hmm. But I never showed up there like, hey, I want a job. I just showed up there the way that I kind of show up to everything, which is like, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Like, what? I'm here to do this. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe I have a thought about where I want to go, but I'm going to show up as like the, as, as a regular person. I'm not going to show up as like a, I'm going to get a job here. Like, I just want to show up the way that I think you should, which is I'm here to learn. I'm here to work. Um, and then if it happens, it happens. Can you, can you uh, explain a little bit like what that gym was like at that time in that coaching program for a couple of reasons? One, I know there are people who like think of CrossFit and only think of CrossFit in the last five years. Mm-hmm. And that gym was like a real original location and a really well-respected coaching program that was basically teaching people how to teach before there was like other methods of like figuring that out because it was more counterculture at the time. Can you talk about like what that place was like, what that culture was like and like what it was, what it meant to go through that coaching program? 
Yeah, and, and I'm happy you asked that because I'm still, we're, Zach and I are still trying to distill how to do that on the movement side. So it's actually mm -hmm. nice to have this conversation. Um, you walked into that place and this was uh, on North 8th Street, North 9th Street, right? North 9th? Yeah, I think it's between 8th and 9th, right? Yeah, something, you know, in Williamsburg, which, yeah, this was 2011 when I showed up there. Keith, who I actually uh, talked to the other day, but um, Keith Wittenstein opened the first CrossFit gym in New York City, Black Box. He was like an OG, old school guy in that world. Um, he ended up opening up the place in Williamsburg, I forget uh, what year, maybe 09, something like that. Mm -hmm. He walked into that place. It was his concrete floors. The floors did this, and there was like into drains, right? Do you remember that? Like there was no, like it was, it was, crazy when you like did real, like old school williamsburg warehouse right like it had probably yeah. been like a shipping or a loading dock or i think something. it was a paint before it was a cross the gym it was a paint shop i think so they remember there was like paint on the ceilings like people had just it was like teenage mutant ninja turtles like it was really weird mm -hmm. i don't mean color i just mean like it was like the weird 80s like were they were people bringing stolen goods here like what yeah, was this very 80s. yeah yeah it was very 80s so you do like your chest to, you know, chest to the ground push-ups or anything on the ground. And like, I have quite a lot of hair, as do you, chest hair. And you would have paint chips stuck in your chest hair. Like, it's gross. Mm -hmm. But it was so gross that it's like, that's, that's a, that grit, right? That, that we liked so much. There was something about it. Well, that was like the, the real romantic thing that people were attracted to or part of it, like in the, in the real like OG CrossFit days, right? Like, Right. When people think of like the real bare bones garage gym. That was the thing. Yeah. Not what it was, it's become since then. Like it's like, yeah. And it was, and, and, you know, I talked with Zach and for you guys who don't know Zach, he's Zach is uh, the, the other owner of, of Apeco, right? So like we're opening up another school in Denver. Mm -hmm. That's his place. Um, Zach was a, uh, a teacher at the first ever CrossFit gym, right? Mm -hmm. Which was used to be CrossFit North. And then it became level four in Seattle. And we have these conversations all the time of like, oh, it was so cool when like it would rain, like the rain would come through and you'd be doing pull-ups and you would like fall off and break your chin and like bleed. It's like, mm -hmm. right. It was just this, this, this kind of like, uh, yeah, this weird thing. And, and CrossFit Virtuosity in Brooklyn had that thing too. Like these homemade pull-up bars in this dungeon, mm -hmm. like it was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, and what was really nice about that place was you there was like people who were lifting a ton of weight. There was like this power lifting crew with all these huge people. And then there was just kind of like the regular CrossFitters. Like there was like very good uh, people in there doing really nice stuff. And Keith had this kind of like, it was almost like he was, he wasn't doing Edo stuff for sure. But he was one of these guys who were like, remember, like, you were like, what's a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu with Renzo Gracie? Like, what's a Renzo Gracie? Like, yeah, right? That's like the... You, you said this because he was like kind of walking out the door the day that I walked in the door. But I, right. remember, I remember you saying that he was somebody who was really ahead of the curve and yeah. thinking about things in a really different way. And I mean, I know people who have ended up at like movement workshops with him in the past like five years and he still is like thinking about yeah that. yeah yeah and like he was doing so he was now he's a brown belt he started training jiu-jitsu again but early adopter of crossfit in super into yoga mm -hmm. did a lot of yoga teacher trainings 
to jujitsu. And also like when we would be learning stuff in the CrossFit gym, we did some interesting stuff. Like we did some fun stuff, different. Uh, like I think it was very different than what you were seeing in other places. We were working on techniques a lot. There was a good Olympic lifting crew going on. Even back then, it wasn't as good as it is now, but like mm-hmm. there was just things being done better there. They were interested in doing it well versus just doing it and being across in CrossFit. And what happened there was like by the time, uh-oh, someone's calling me, sorry. So by the time, hey, you there? Let me see. Mm-hmm. Hey, you there? Yep. Okay, cool. So by the time um, I got there, or maybe like by the time I got into the coaching program, mm-hmm. everybody was like working towards working for HQ. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like people were, were, had done all the seminars, which, you know, we can talk about that stuff later, but people had done all the seminars, had been coaching under Keith, who kind of had like a very strict style of coaching. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, then all of a sudden it was like Blanco and Joey were working for Coach Bergner on the Olympic weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Kurt started going down the CrossFit gymnastics thing. Um, and uh, with, uh, like, Greg was working for HQ um, mm-hmm. doing level one seminars. Like, that's it's pretty crazy that that many people were working for HQ. Well, that was my point. So, it was like, it was this coaching program, and I, in like, I feel like I was like one of the very like last people to have something remotely close to like the coaching program you guys had minus Keith, but like, it was still like had the same energy, even though it was kind of the last run. But I just remember like in my time doing all these things was pretty short lived. But when you traveled other places and you said, you know, I'm a coach across a virtuosity or I went through the coaching program, it was like, it was revered. People knew about this coaching program and it wasn't just like the CrossFit thing. It was really about a teaching thing. Yeah. And that, and that, and that, that really set me up. It set me up for success in a lot of ways. And actually sometimes I have to remind myself when I'm working with our younger teachers here at, at, at APCO, it's like, they didn't go through the same thing that I went through. Like there are a lot of things that need to be taught like teaching pedagogy, pedagogy, I never know how to say that word. Like, how do you, how do you teach and how do you teach the diff- people who learn differently? And like, these are things that really need to be addressed. And I'm excited that we can actually kind of dig into it a little bit more with our current staff. But the way that we, the way that we did it back then was amazing. And there was definitely this thing where like, I, I had a you know, like I kind of had this, uh, now I realize it as like this empathy. Like I, I like I'm kind of, I kind of have this empath thing where I can like connect with people. So that helped me a lot, mm-hmm. but there also had to be this presence that you just like you have from doing stand up. I don't know where this comes from, mm-hmm. like my ability to feel comfortable in front of a class, mm-hmm. but there was also that thing of like with great, a great teaching program and just me for whatever reason, not being nervous to stand up in front of people and talk. It was like a perfect combination of me finding my voice and how I want to do this thing. So what, so were like some, I cre- what were some of the things that like, you know, it's hard because you were probably in the coaching program for like a year or something, but yeah. you know, 
to give people who are listening like perspective, because I think people are like, oh, you know, whatever. I did a 300 hour yoga teacher training or like yeah. I did uh, the level one workshop or whatever certification, because there was also no certification. This was just like, this is just, you're going to go in there and learn how to teach. What are some of like the, the pillars that stood out to you that you were being taught about teaching that, that you now try to like communicate to younger teachers or now you're at least trying to figure out how to communicate it to other teachers. Yeah. Or even what I'm trying to communicate while I'm teaching, right? Mm -hmm. Like what, these are, cause these are things I'm, I'm thinking about um, mm -hmm. like basics, basic things that don't sound that when you hear it, you're like, that makes sense. Right. Something like somebody asks a question mm -hmm. and you just, as opposed to answering the question, just repeat it. Mm -hmm. right something as simple as that like you say to me like hey matt am i supposed to externally rotate my upper arm mm -hmm. great question kyle mm -hmm. are you supposed to externally rotate your upper arm here's the answer right like yeah. something along those lines um uh, other basic things like where am i standing we're teaching outside a lot right now in the sun right if i'm standing with the sun behind me mm -hmm. like how are people supposed to see me i have to think about that i have to think about where am i standing um so that the most people can see showing it from a couple of different angles. Mm -hmm. um, big thing for me right now. And like, I have this conversation a lot with our teachers is when you're demonstrating, you can talk and demonstrate at the same time, mm -hmm. but also make sure you don't talk and demonstrate at the same time, because some people can manage that where it's like, Oh, he's saying hand, hand, foot, foot. Mm -hmm. And he's demonstrating but mm -hmm. not everybody learns like that. And so mm -hmm. being able to, to connect and to get it to land with people who learn differently, like those are simple things mm -hmm. that I think get lost a lot. And I think I see, those are the kind of things that get buy-in from the students, mm -hmm. in my opinion. And I'm not trying to sell anybody on anything. I'm just trying to let them know that I care mm -hmm. enough to be trying to make a connection with you in class. And I don't mean an emotional connection. I just mean, I'm trying to get you to have a better learning situation going on. Why well, did that? And then that's kind of like what I remember about being in that coaching program is like among all these things, it's like you're learning class management and, and, and you're learning the movements and whatever, but there was this real like passion to make you relentless. And some people I think distilled relentless down to like making people move a certain way but you're talking about and this is how i saw it too about being relentless on like a, a larger scale in terms of yeah. like how you like you, you you attack teaching with passion i mean that's the thing like i wish that i could record my even this morning at 9 a.m like i know i sound manic sometimes mm -hmm. when i'm teaching and most of that is just, number one, I'm an excitable guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> number two is I just care. Like, I really care. And those people are showing up for each other. They're showing up for themselves. And, like, it's not – if I don't feel good, I, I can't – like, I have to be there for them. They showed up. Mm -hmm. And it's my duty. This is the thing I do in life. This mm -hmm. is the thing that I share in life. I show up at a hundred percent. Every second of that class is important to me. Every second is an opportunity to make somebody finally have that moment. I had that moment with, a, with, uh, with Marielle today, who's a newer student where she was like, 
it went up she looked frustrated you know like the you know this face where you're like oh like oh my god are we like are you gonna like what's happening are you really upset like did I do something mm -hmm. and I know I know it's not me but all I said to her was you have permission to fail mm -hmm. you also need to understand I'm teaching this stuff intentionally to make it frustrating mm -hmm. this is intentional mm -hmm. I'm not teaching you how to do burpees I'm teaching you how to learn I'm teaching you how to like how to figure shit out right and after just having that conversation with her, she relaxed. She wasn't so rigid about doing it wrong because I, when it comes down to it, I don't care if you do it wrong. Yeah. I want you to do it wrong. I just don't want you to sit there and, and say that you suck or say that like, I can't do this because that's something that happens sometimes is at the end of the class, a new student will be like, this isn't, I can't do this. Like I can't do it. And then you'll say, you just did it. Yeah. Well, that, but then I mean, that's, like, that's like, you know, we, I mean, I've talked to so many people about this exact issue is like, and, you know, another friend of ours, Matt Stillman came into me one day and used this uh, phrase addicted to competence. And I think it's like, it's a, it's, it's in our culture in like a really deep way. Right. Yeah. And, and that's like what we see. That was, a, which one was that? That was Jack. Yeah. Sorry, I think I just you know I wanted it to be real. You know, I that's all right. No, 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 no. Going. We got to see everybody. Um, but yeah, that's the that's like what you're talking about addressing is like people who are afraid to fail because they're addicted to competence. Like it's all supposed to be perfect, great, and I achieve everything and walk out the door and go home feeling like the best about myself. That's why I always say that movement is really lands more into that like counterculture space. And I always think of counterculture as like movement practices that involve like creativity and the element of failure, surfing and skateboarding and rock climbing and all these things. Like it's, it's in that jujitsu, it's in that space, not in the like show up and check it off and then go on your day. I got my workout in, which, which look, some people do in the jujitsu world. You still hear that sometimes like come in and get a great workout. It's like, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, come on, like, uh, yes. I can get a great workout, but aren't we, we're here to learn. You're a fucking human being. Like this mm -hmm. world is just not set up for that, that model, right? Like come people, people need it, right? Come in, turn your brain off for 60 minutes, get your workout in, look good. Yeah. That's fine. That's, that's fine. I get it. That's not what we do. Yeah. Like it's not what we do at all. It's not what I care about. I don't think it's shallow. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I just think you are so much more capable than just checking a fucking box. Mm -hmm. Everybody, mm -hmm. it's not, it just takes finding somebody who can show you that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's a meditation teacher or a movement teacher, whatever it is, but it's true. Everybody can do it. Mm -hmm. I, I did it. Like I, what the fuck am I doing teaching this stuff? <laughs> this is a regular guy mm -hmm. that when we met, I was maybe like, in good shape, mm -hmm. I shouldn't be doing that. This, mm -hmm. this shouldn't be what, me. Mm -hmm. Like Matt Bernstein, just this guy who played JV sports his whole life, mm -hmm. who couldn't do, who couldn't dance. Mm -hmm. And maybe like, yeah, maybe I could party. I drank <laughs> beer, great. You know, like, mm -hmm. um, and then once I stopped drinking beer, all my friends thought I was a dork, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can't win. 
I thought it was the cowboy hats. Actually, that's on it. That's look, this is <laughs> what, um, so you're, when you were teaching CrossFit and then CrossFit gymnastics and you're like doing body weight stuff, when did you decide like, I'm going to, I'm going to explore this other thing. I'm going to start paying money in this other direction. And yeah. what was the inspiration? I feel like you told me once, but I'll let you tell me. Yeah. I mean, the inspiration was, I just was, I was, I don't know if I was searching and the honest truth is, I don't know what I really got myself into. When I reached out to Edo, I think I was even, I think I had just reached out to the CrossFit gymnastics folks mm -hmm. because Keith had recommended me for an internship, which means I go and I get a opportunity to get a job, mm -hmm. right? I reached out to Ito and I said, hi, I'd like to do an internship with you and your team. Mm -hmm. Not knowing that he already has internships, which are a week long thing where you go and train with him and Johnny Sapinoso and Odelia for a week, but you pay like $6,000. I just was gonna, I just wanted to work for him because I was a CrossFit coach mm -hmm. and I like could, you know. You could do a muscle yeah, I could do a muscle. I could do movement. You kidding me? I could like do a chest to wall. I could do like wall runs on or handstand push-ups with my back to the wall on a mat. You know, like I, I could do movement. Yeah. So I figured I, I could work for Edo. So I sent him an email and he wrote, yeah, of course you can do an internship. Send me $6,230 to this account in Latvia and uh, <laughs> I'll get you, I'll get you here for five days. Uh -huh. And I don't know why I did it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, I don't know. Like now it's like, Oh my God, $6,000. My God. It, like I was a single guy in New York, like back in the day I was making good money, right. Personal training in New York. We were doing, yeah. we're doing well. Like it was really, it was great. So I had the cash and I still don't know why I went, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I, I just, I, I wasn't, ex you weren't doing like online coaching or anything at that time. I signed up to do an internship with him and then was like, okay, so should I do online coaching to prepare for the internship? Mm -hmm. So I started doing it right then. Like I wow, needed got, three months got, of you, online you got a coaching. Nice big upsell there. Oh my God. I was, <laughs> I learned from the best. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I guess I saw the video that, that Tim, uh, the Rob Rouse guys put out. And actually, I, I told you this before, like I talked to him every once in a while. He just put out some like edited thing of Edo and it just landed with me. Like it just was this thing of in CrossFit, we were always talking about that, like of learn new things and play new sports and move your body like this and don't, you know, and, and really uh, create new range of blah, blah, blah. All this really nice stuff that the verbiage was great, but it didn't, we weren't doing it per se. Mm -hmm. I think we we're doing it pretty well at Virtuosity, but in general, CrossFit wasn't doing it. And then you see Edo and you're like, that, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know who it is. I don't know what this guy is. This guy, like, uh, where is he from? Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about him. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like I saw uh, people talk about self-dominance, this YouTube video. If you guys have never seen it, check it out. But people talk about that and they're like, I knew it was for me. I just saw a video and was like, this is better than what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't, I, I wasn't instantly like my life 
I just was like, this guy is sounds like an intelligent person. Sounds like he could help me selfishly. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I do online coaching and you do your strength work. Back in the day, it was like four hours of strength work. Mm-hmm. Now I do about four minutes of strength work every month. <laughs> like I don't do any strength work anymore. It's pretty none. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, and then you show up for the internship and you're like, uh, what? Like, why am I on the, like, what, what are we doing here? Right. right? And, and being able to sit down and have discussions about what are we doing? And even back then, this is 2013, Ido didn't know exactly what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Right. It was just like, there's a better way to do things. Let's research it and let's see if we can figure out what it is we're doing. But there are, there are from a bot, let's call it from like a somatic experience thing. There are better ways to move your body. Even yeah. if you're not talking about why a movement practice, your body is so able to move in so many different planes that even just thinking back to CrossFit, it's like, how many times are you in a position that's not neutral? Meaning like contras and ipsies, standing on one leg, moving like the well, also spine. Like, like, like how much are you improving your like, your 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 movement iq i guess right like yeah like there are things you know like i've gone to workshops and and i've thought to myself because like you're there and there's like people who come from more similar background to me and then there's people who are like from like martial arts or something and then you have dancers and i watch dancers and i'm like dude they've known it all along they've been doing it all along yeah and that's why I see like the, you know, there's been like harder and harder and harder turns into like the dance world because mm-hmm. like they've been doing it and like they're like- For the, you personally? Am I? Yeah, for you forward? personally or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I'm, it's definitely not my forte. And then and I've talked to people, they're like, oh, I can like, and I don't feel like I'm poor on my feet, you know, like I can move well. I can, I, I played a lot of sports where I had to like be nimble on my feet. But there are people who are just like, I can see that like you lack your ability to express yourself in an honest way from the bottom up, not from the top down. And I can see that it's not there in the feet. Yeah. 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 I mean, and look, it's like, that's beautiful because now that's what you're going to work on. Yeah. You know, like you don't need to do, you don't need to do more strength work, right? Like, you know that. And maybe it's still good to play around with it every once in a while. But in reality, what's it going to get you? Like you, we've talked a little bit about it where like you, you developed your, your shell mm-hmm. from doing stand up, right? Like yeah. you develop, develop your nervous system. It, it almost was that thing of like, oh, like stand up. He had to develop this nervous system that could handle people being complete dickwads yeah. at, at the show. So now it's like, uh, what are you doing to sort of, not offset it, but what are you doing to like soften up? And I see like, even on your Instagram, it's like, you're, you're doing things that people look at and they're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? But it's very obvious what's going on. It's like, you are attempting to restructure or to rewire or to reintegrate or re whatever you're, you're attempting to essentially become more, yeah, like soft. Me and you are not soft guys. No, by nature. Yeah, but I'm you're you're totally right. And like it's a word that that has like 
like if you throw around the word soft in like a CrossFit gym, like, oh, like we need to be the, have the ability to be like hard and soft. Like mm-hmm. this, the idea of softness is just like, like, what are you talking about? Like you do need to go and have conversations with martial artists and dancers to be able to like express language in that way. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, yeah, it's, and it's, that's what's a little bit, that's what's exciting to me though, is that martial artists, dancers, and, and movement practitioners, and I want to also remind people that like um, the movement practice isn't necessarily like I do a thing and then I go do a special, like then I become a specialist. It's sort of like this approach where we're looking at having attributes of a fighter and a dancer, right? Like it doesn't mean I'm going to go fight. I, I love martial arts, I love boxing, I love jujitsu, but. I love this movement thing. You know, I, I can play with a tennis ball with as much passion as I can punch somebody in the face. And that's like an enjoyable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the softness thing is, it's, it's weird, right? Like my father-in-law was here yeah, yesterday and he was like, comes up to me, starts giving me a back rub, like as all father-in-laws should do. <laughs> and he was like, Mike, like what? He's like, where are the like knots? Like where, and like rubbing in my neck. And he's like, what is, like, what are you? Who is this? Mm-hmm. Right, because you're not used to, and he, he did jujitsu for a long time. You're not used to feeling an athletic body. Most people are not used to touching another athletic body and not feeling like that tone of like hyper contractile tissue, mm-hmm. right? Like I really, and he said like he, we talked about why can I, why does my tissue feel like that? Mm-hmm. And we had this talk about nervous system and like what I'm working on and, and empty arms and standing work and all of this stuff that is making me a much more, um, making me much more available right? Like I can be, I can become the hard guy, the rigid guy. I can be the soft guy. I I'm, I can be the chameleon. Well, the problem is with like hardness or rigidness or firm or whatever it is, when you're there all the time and then you need to go there, you have nowhere to go. Like you've been exactly. falling forward the entire time. Like you don't have any other way to get going forward to like do the thing that needs to happen in that way. Right. Right. And that's, that's where, you know, people, I like the, your basketball coach or whatever is like, relax, like relax. Right. And it's so obvious. Like now it's so obvious. What do they mean? Maybe they don't mean relax. They mean maybe take a no, breath, but they like, really mean release, like release. Actively even relaxed. Actively yeah. Relaxed. Even here, I'm sitting here and I just notice like, ah, yeah, and it's like, mm-hmm like constantly just thinking about that stuff. And that's what helps too, is I don't do it in the gym. It's mm-hmm. just like, even here, I'm sitting on the floor, mm-hmm. right? I'm sitting like on the fucking, my bedroom floor. Mm-hmm. I am in my body. I reside in a body. I need to, to be not insane about it because I also believe in being a father who can focus on his kids while I'm in the same room or a husband who's attentive. I'm not constantly like, Emily, calm down. I am just releasing, right? Like I don't do that too, but I, but I do also want people to make, to think about that stuff throughout the day. Like I know you're doing it too. Like you do, you're standing work, standing still, standing still is insane. The practice that it gives, look, sitting in a squat, insane, but standing is an insane practice. Mm -hmm. 
And what it offers is so valuable from a, let's not talk about the meditation side of it because that's a different thing, but from like an uh, utilitarian, athletic, uh, just getting to know your body a bit more, like understanding what the hell it feels like in all these different parts. I got to take a, a couple classes with Tom Wexler online uh, the last mm -hmm. month. And we would always finish with some standing. It was also when I was like really beginning to integrate like a lot, like longer standing in. And he always said, um, notice how your, your feet connect to the floor. Notice your posture. Notice your breath. And see if you can synchronize those three. If you can find harmony between the three. And I started like, I totally stole it. And I say it all the time now because that is the thing. I feel like that's always like the game that's being played because they can all like, there's these moments where you're like, oh, everything has fallen into that happy place. And that's where that's, that's it. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I know exactly, I smiled like that because I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and I stand a lot um sometimes multiple times a day sometimes for like more than an hour sometimes five minutes a day because i also like the idea of like can i get can i get there immediately i also like to play with that can you can you just uh, just because i know that yeah. there, might, there are probably people who end up listening who they're like oh wait these guys are just talking about standing around what are they talking about leaning against walls can you <laughs> can you explain what what you're talking about like standing call to meditation standing practice stillness practice just like kind of give give a little idea even though there's obviously no answers yeah i'll i'll give you my how it how it lands in, with me at this current day Perfect. right so the standing practice and there's even different ways to think about it like i was ito taught it to me a little bit different than i've seen it taught in certain martial arts and certain teachers the big thing is you stand you find the ability to allow your feet to, right, this is like a Martin Kilvaldi term, like to drain down so you can find connection to the floor. And then there's, I'll just kind of show it, but then there's like this thing of like my pelvis is going this direction and my spine or like the roof of the martial crown, it's called, is going up and creating kind of this lengthening in the spine. But it's about like my pelvis is down, my spine is up. We'll keep it as simple as that. There's a few other things you can get after, but you literally like my, you know, when people walk into my house half the time, I'm just here. <laughs> Standing. And people will, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just, just so people who aren't watching know, you're just standing like you're almost like, um, like in not like the military, but you're standing with weight on equal on both feet, just like square ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and in the beginning, right, it's one of these things of like, this sucks, this sucks, like, why am I doing this stupid, which that's generally how I approach everything. And then you keep scanning the body and keep looking for this release, especially in the glutes and lower back is where I put a lot of attention into the feet, I put a lot of attention. And this constant kind of searching for, I don't want to say up, because what happens there, and I've been doing... Uh, like some therapy for PTSD reach recently, which I'm very curious to, uh, if we have time and oh, yeah, no, talk I a little bit about it. 
Um, the issue with the, the concept of up is it tends to disconnect me, right? So what I'm searching for is this ability to be connected to the floor, but also to have the connection, like the availability to be able to move into the floor, but then also to move that energy all over the place. But if I think up, I'm just here and it's like, I'm completely disconnected from the ground. Hmm. So, right, a lot of people talk about it as like rooting. Um, that We can get into all the technical details, but for me... I think it's better. I, I always like when people say the, the, for me thing, when it comes to any sort of meditation, because when people start talking like super technical, you're like, yeah, whatever, it's, right? It's still like Western would be like, well, let's attach every definition and word to this thing so that it makes sense and logic for these people rather than being like, hey, like this person is getting something. They're getting yeah. something. And it's been around for thousands of years. There's something. Maybe there's an exploration that's worth taking there. Not, it doesn't need to always be fed with like, well, here's the exact. Because it's not exact. It's different for everybody. And that's actually kind of where I teach from too. I, mm -hmm. I use a lot of anecdotes. Like I, I say that for, for me, this blah, blah, like that actually, it's nice to hear you say that. Um, I mean, in general, for me, it's, it's been one of the more fruitful practices. Obviously meditation is phenomenal sitting, but this is not a, this is for me, I'll say it again. This is not a meditation. Mm -hmm. It is a body scan. It's an opportunity to get to know my body. I sometimes move in the position. I sometimes, uh, my mind sometimes wanders much more than it would if I was doing a seated meditation. So I don't even like really, I, don't, I just call it standing because I also think it's sort of, it's so beautiful that I think it, it can be, uh, I like to just give it a word like that. It's like fucking standing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just mm -hmm. like, I'm just standing, yeah. but I'm getting so much from it. My jumping Mm -hmm. has gotten so much better mm -hmm. from doing this in the last couple of years. It's, it's crazy. Well, I, um, I'm reading this book called the yoga of breath, which is one of like the really well-known like pranayama books. And uh, like in one of the first few chapters, they talk about Shavasana, um, which is corpse just laying down and all the things you're saying, a lot of it's the same idea in, in the corpse position right? This is your opportunity to get your information because mm. we get information about our bodies through moving. We get tons of information, but there's information that we get when we're moving that we're not going to get from being still. And there's information we're going to get from being still that we're not going to get from being like stimulated and, and moving and mobile. Yeah. And I read, and I was listening to this talk by Alan Watson. I didn't even realize this, but, and, and I don't know if you know, but there are certain parts of like Zen Buddhism where like the monks, there were like, I think there were four different forms of meditation or five. One was sitting, one was laying down, one was standing, and the, and the fourth one was walking. So there were different camps of like meditation, um, you know, for people who get caught up on like, oh, should I be doing this or should I be doing that? And you're like, oh, well, people have been kind of doing all of them all this time. And there's yeah. information in all of them. And, and the information, and I, eh, all right, I'll bring it up. I love this thing just of the different camps. I talked to my neighbor who's a big, she's a like big time A&P person, runs a cadaver lab, big yogi. I was talking to her about standing. 
And she asked where it came from. And I said, well, I think in general, what the, the style I'm working with mostly comes out of the, the Eastern martial arts. Mm-hmm. She's like, uh, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. Cause it's more, you know, and I was like, cause martial, like it's just mountain pose. Yeah. Like, yeah, but it's martial arts. I was like, no, no. <laughs> well, that, There's so much. Well, yeah, then now, just, now you have to go back and be like, oh, well, you know, it actually turns out that Zen monks, certain parts, certain sects or whatever were doing standing and walking. So pick one. Yeah. 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 I know. And that's, well, that's the whole thing. There's certain words that like turn people off. Right. Yeah. It's why like, Oh, fighting. I can't do that. Yeah. No, no, no. no you know, it's, it's, it's so cool. Like I've talked to people and people who are dancers who like go and do martial arts and they're like, Whoa, like, you know, why, why, why do that? Because then a lot of people would be like, Oh, like dancing and then going and like fighting people grappling and because dancers like really exist in this really wonderfully like imaginative space, like especially contemporary dancers, you ask them about it and, and they'll say something like, oh, well, it's a form of communication that I'm not getting in dance. Yeah. Right. And that's like a really heady language, I think, for a lot of people. This idea of like, oh, I'm going to go learn how to communicate physically in another way. But you're not, but you're taught to shut that off. It's like, no, this isn't in my lineage. Right. Define. So your, I can't stick to your definition. I am a yoga prep. I am a yogi. My yeah. license plate says Shakti on it. I yeah. can't do martial arts. You know what I mean? Well, that's what right. I, I think that's what one of my favorite things about you is that like, you kind of like, first you're like willing to change, which is great, but you also like own all these things that wouldn't normally like go together. You know what I mean? You like know? what? Like, you know, you teach movement and you wear your cowboy boots, you know? I'll like, take it. Yeah, like you're willing to like be like, oh, like I'm going to do the things that that I do and I like. It's not like, oh, well, now that I do movement, I'm only going to wear hemp pants and fayus and, you know, and I'm, and all, all, yeah, the top bun or whatever it is. You're just like, yeah, like, you know, I'm going to listen to like country music and I'm going to wear my boots and you know and i'm gonna do handstands too and i and we listen to country music in class yeah so but i want you to know it's also it's kind of good country there is good country music right now right like the sturgill simpson this like alt alt country they call it there's some great country out there i'll send you some i have to tell tell people when we were at movement camp i had he wanted matt wanted to show me some country music on my Spotify and I wouldn't let him because I didn't want him to mess up my algorithm. Cause I knew if he played a few of the songs, all of a sudden it would start being like suggested. And I was like, no, I have a good algorithm going right now. So don't play that on my phone. No, it's good. All right. It's not <laughs> overly rhythmical. So I don't play it all the time, but when we're doing some warm up, you know? Um, um, yeah. I mean, I'll, like, tell, this tell, is... me, tell me about the PTSD stuff. Ooh. All right. Um, yeah. So, this and this will we'll tie it back into the standing a little bit if possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a fireman slash EMT for six years, mm-hmm. um, and what I. What this? How old were you? I was. I did it from when I was nineteen to twenty-two. I did it in New Hampshire. Okay. Um, in college, mm-hmm. and when I then I went lived a year in Stowe, Vermont, was a ski patroller. And then moved to Steamboat, where I was a ski patroller, a fishing guide in the summer, and then kind of slowly was able to trickle my way into working full time for the fire department there. So I'd been in emergency medical services from like 19 to 
um, whenever 2011 was. So that was nine years. So like so 27. So eight years of mm -hmm. like EMS and fire. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, yeah, wow, it's wild. It's interesting to notice my nervous system like kicking in. Like it's nice to notice that. That's new for me too. Like just thinking about those years of my life. But um, so I just, uh, the first week, for, this is what I remember, the first week of being on EMT in New Hampshire, we had like a call where I, this teenage boy died in the back of the ambulance and it was brutal. And what happens is when you first get on that, on the job, you don't have the shell built up, right? Like you don't understand how to go into these situations and to not uh, like dissociate. Right. So like you, you go in there sort of like a civilian still and you're like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Like and I still like working with the therapist, I was able to go back like into that room. This was in 2004. Mm -hmm. And I, I had felt and just a little bit more background on it. I had felt this kid or this presence in my body or this weird like anger slash depression. Mm -hmm. For a long time and I didn't know what it was mm -hmm. at all mm -hmm. and then was able to figure it out recently mm -hmm. that it was essentially like from this one call on the first week of the job or it's like whatever first month and how it came like how I've worked it out I'm doing somatic experiencing so it's all like it's it's, it's great like to me it's amazing therapy where like I lay down on the floor or I sit in a chair we do body scans mm -hmm. and the therapist who's a PTSD specialist who's phenomenal and also is like uh, just a really sharp guy mm -hmm. um, essentially like talked me through in maybe like six to 10 sessions. Like I was able to go into the room as like me, I was able to go into the room and like put myself into the body of mom, of dad, do all this crazy stuff that to me, like I would have never thought was possible and all like very woo woo. Mm -hmm. And what, and after being able to like go in and feel like the grief of mom, which are mm -hmm. the, or like the, the, the anger or the, um, like the fear in dad, or even like go in and, and into the boy's body and feel like what it's like to be scared to die. Mm -hmm. I've been able to work with like breathing and contraction. Like sometimes like I'll, I'll, like I literally will be like squeezing hard mm -hmm. as like a way to tense up around the grief of mm -hmm. this boy's mother. And then I'll be able to breathe it out and kind of like give back this grief. Um, and if I didn't have my physical practice, yeah. there's no way I would have been able to like heal nearly as quick because I can really be I'm embodied mm -hmm. I know these things that feel foreign I know these things that feel like I can when the the therapist is like really like contract around that like mm -hmm. I know how to contract and sometimes I'll be like I'll be like hey uh, I just want you to know like I'm not gonna pass out if it looks like I'm gonna pass out just wake me up but like I'm going for this Mm -hmm. and like it's really nice to be able to have this body that knows how to move and knows how to essentially like work with itself is the is the idea of this process i read something about this where it's like like the, i guess along the way they've realized that especially with like ptsd and stuff right and trauma like talk therapy is like not 
doesn't help. Yeah. And, and you can explain it better, but is it the idea that like you're rather than talking something out, you have like your, your, your life timeline, right. And you kind of look back on it kind of like a, a biography, but then there's this certain event that kind of stands alone outside of it. And it like exists in your nervous system in a different way. Mm-hmm. And the goal of this kind of therapy, right, is to try to take it outside of its like own book and place it in its proper spot within your autobiography. Is that kind of the idea? I, I mean, there, I know I've heard that that as well. The way that I'm doing it now, and the beautiful thing is like as a student, Mm-hmm. I like 40 my neighbor is going through and is like is, wants to do this for a living so we're reading books together but at the same time I'm reading books about how I can help myself not about how I can help others for the first time ever right so what we what I was able to discover and like this is going to sound woo 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 not woo like our friend woo but like woo woo mm-hmm. hippy dippy mm-hmm. I um, and you probably know, knew this anyways, I'm like pretty sensitive in the fact of like, uh, pretty like empathetic, mm-hmm. like I can like feel people's whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I, for the last like 10, 15 years, have had crazy pain in my left hip flexor and like doing, you know, a lot of stuff and blah, blah, blah. and like really trying to figure out what it is and like couch stretch and like massage and this and that. And essentially what we were able to figure out and like, again, like, I don't, I don't care how this sounds. This is real to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The therapist thinks that I've, my nervous system has been holding the grief of the mother of this boy in my left hip flexor. Hmm. So for the last like 15 years, I've been carrying this grief. Mm -hmm. My nervous system turned it into a a physical place that I hold it. Mm Um, and so we've been working a lot on like just giving the grief back and like Mm -hmm. breathing it back. And I say things even like, I can't hold this for you anymore. Like, I don't, I know this was difficult for you, but like, I'm giving this back to you. Yeah. And it's, it really works. And even, and I don't mean from like a, from like a depression, anger, typical PTSD thing. I mean, from like a, my, my body. Like I can actually remember horse stance is always terrible for me. Mm-hmm. I can hold a horse stance now. Wow. Like my hip flexor is just uh, back to a functioning hip flexor and I don't have that pain. I, I, so I, this is, I think this is a famous book, but I read the, the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. Which is great. But there was one form of therapy that they talked about that reminded me of theater school in like a really powerful way. And in theater school, we called this game uh, your perfect scene. And I shouldn't say a game. We only did it like once. But it was meant to be like, oh, pick a time in your life where you could go back and replay it and do it differently. Like do it your perfect way. Like redo it. Like this, like pick a moment that's like the moment. And there was like some form of therapy that was like that, where it was like, you're going to go and try to relive it. And you're going to pick some people to play certain roles like that. And, you know, I had gone to theater because I like wanted to entertain people. So like in acting classes, there was some stuff that was really tough for me, but that experience was like, knocked my socks off. Like I had, um, when I was in high school, 
I had befriended this guy who worked at the school who was like the um, like attendance officer or something. Of course he, he did. And he, yeah, but he was like, he became my, like a buddy of mine and every once, like kind of like a mentor in some ways. So like every once in a while I'd go like chat with him. Like I'd sit in his office and just like in between classes and just be like, hey, like what's going on, this and that. And he was just like this really great dude. And he like, you know, we had had this really terrible year. My, my junior year where like a kid from school had died in a car crash. And then a week after that, I see this guy, Steve, and I go up to him like in the hallway. I'm like, oh, hey, Steve, what's going on? And I could see he was like kind of down. And he was like, hey, yeah, you know, come by my office later. Like, let's chat. I never made it because I was like 17 and like up my own ass. And the next day, Steve wasn't at the school. And the following day, we find out that he had killed himself. And I was just like, I was young and I was just like, didn't understand. And it was just like, I don't know, am I supposed to like, how am I supposed to be with this? And never like dealt with it. So I get to theater school and I'm like, oh, well, my perfect scene would be me going to that guy's office and talking to him. And I did it. And it was just like, all the stuff that you're holding on to that you never even realize you're holding on to. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, you know, I realized then that it was this moment, this thing that I was trying to communicate about, like, there's this, it's, there's this thing that's existing in its own book and its own chapter, and it hasn't found its way back into your, like, your biography when you look back on things. And I had that moment and I was like, when I read it, I was like, oh, I get, I get this, you know? Um, because I think when, you know, people talk about some of these things, trauma, PTSD, it's like, it feels very abstract, I think for a lot of people, but like, you really do hold on to it. And then like, it, 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 if it doesn't find its place where it belongs, it's like, it kind of sits over here or sits in your nervous system or wherever. Yeah. And and that's what I, I like hearing you say that. I was like, Oh God, that sounds so nice. You know, cause I'm not yet there. I'm close. Mm Mm-hmm. I still like the other day I had a, I went hiking with a couple of, like my cousin was, was here and I went hiking up in the Rocky Mountain National Park and came back for therapy and had like a crazy session where I could feel like I just, and I'm doing this on Zoom also, right? Mm-hmm. So like I'm doing this stuff on Zoom, which is still amazing that you can even do it through Zoom where like, but anyways, where I'm like, okay, like I need to cry. And I even, I was crying, like, I, like, right, because I literally am, like, feeling this, I'm feeling, like, this intense sadness. It's, like, very real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, afterwards, uh, you know, therapist was like, okay, so, like, you know, like, let's talk about how to go, blah, blah, blah. We debriefed it, and I was like, so, I still have so much fucking crying to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and it's weird, because, like, I don't know it here. It was, just like, I would never have been able to figure that out. It was just mm-hmm. my body was just, like, you still got a lot of work to do on this one. You know? I feel like I hear stories all the time about people who like, whatever, they start doing Wim Hof or Pranayama or something. And like the breathing causes yeah. them to like burst out into tears because it's like releasing things in their nervous system. Yeah. You hold stuff. You don't hold, your nervous system holds stuff. Your nervous system's job is to keep you alive. And it doesn't matter at, at what cost, right? Like yeah. that's just, and, and right, that's it's kind of the, like it, it shouldn't like I forget where I read yeah. it, one of these books where it was like you know first telling people like don't be mad at your body because it's doing this to it, it did this when it happened to protect you 
Right. And, and also like, what's this thing? Like, I didn't even know, like this, so this whole somatic experiencing thing, this whole idea that the, the body that emotions can be felt in the body mm-hmm. is new to me. Like I wasn't taught that I'm teaching that to my kids. I'll show you at the end, this poster I have in Jack's room. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I just recently the last year or two learned that like, there are emotions in your body that are felt that aren't anger and ecstasy. Like I could tell you where anger is felt. I could tell you where like pure joy was felt, but I couldn't tell you where other things were felt or like, like, why do I feel them in my body? And like, why is my body such an important tool for my mental capabilities or clarity or mental capacities? Mm-hmm. And like how I think how foreign that is for most of us, if you didn't grow up in, in that kind of world, which like I'm excited to share with my kids because mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's like a secret weapon. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't mean weapon in a bad way. I just mean like in a way of just being able to be with yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Even right now, it's like, just like take that breath and just be like, okay, like, how do you feel today? Like, how does your nervous system feel? Like mm-hmm. check in with yourself. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, with the standing work check in with yourself. It's just a check-in and you do it every day and you start to establish a baseline and then you can just be a little bit ahead of the curve when something feels off and you know like maybe today I need to do something a bit different or maybe today like I need to actually maybe I need to do like a long breathing session and I need to take care of you know something is agitating you and you just need to explore it. Yeah. Um, and the body is like I, the body keeps the score. I started reading it mm-hmm. And like when they were talking, the first chapter, right, about the Vietnam vet, mm-hmm. I couldn't read after that because like it just hit home too hard. I was like, I don't need to read this. I lived it. Right. You know what I mean? And I think, I think for a lot of people, I hope, I hope it's surprising mm-hmm. to a lot of people to hear this because I want people to know that like it's real and it's not like uh, I'm no superhuman. I also have these problems that I'm working through and that you also can you you also can do it and it's I, I firmly like i firmly believe it i i mean i'm i'm so like i mean like i just told you my story like there were 30 people in that classroom and i'm sitting up there with like with another student who i've been like oh you're playing this role and all of a sudden i'm like crying for 10 minutes in front of like 30 people like trying to like relive a, the, the a perfect moment you know what i mean because it's like, it was stored inside of like my body. Like yeah. I didn't go up there with a plan being like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go up there and like cry my eyes out and like, you know, do it, you know, I'm going to win an Academy Award right now. This was just like, oh, like we're going to improvise and just like you go up there and just do whatever you think you should have done. And it's just like, you know, and, yeah. but I, 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 I really admire that you're like putting in that work. I want to ask a question that someone typed in. And I also want okay. to remind people, like, if you have a question, you can type it in. Um, and if you'd like to ask it out loud, you can obviously, like, raise your hand. But uh, someone asked if you could talk a little bit about being a dad and talk yeah. about, like, how that has changed your perspective on, on movement. Yeah. That's a, I mean, these are, this is the question, like, I, lo- I love answering this question. And even, like, they're outside playing and like I hear them giggling and throwing stuff at each other. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's the greatest joy ever for me. Uh, it, it, it's a huge time commitment. <laughs> so let's yeah, start. Two boys. I have, yeah, I have two boys, Jack and Brady. They're about the same size. Um, there's the logistical things, which are 
the time commitment's crazy, mm-hmm. but that's so unimportant, but it just changes your ability to do things the way that I used to be able to do them, right? Like uh, I, I don't have the same time I used to have for training and for this and that, or I just sort of shift over and try to be with them and try to do things with them. And I know, and I don't train with them around. I do that sometimes, but I also want to make sure that when I'm with them, I try to be with them. So like yeah. there's there, I, I don't know, like, I don't know if they come and check on me when I'm meditating, but even last night before bed, Jack was like, daddy, can we meditate together? And he literally like sat, he sat in his room and he was just like, he, he was sitting and he goes, like he takes his legs. I don't think he did this, but maybe like, let's say he like crossed them and he goes like, and like you could see he was like really reaching his head up and he was like closing his eyes but blinking at the same time mm-hmm. so it's obvious that like you know i do a lot of things with them we wrestle a lot together we play outside a lot together there's slack line there's hanging there's all this stuff they want to go to the gym a lot mm-hmm. um so being a father is very it's tough it's the greatest joy in my life but it takes away time from me spending with the community with being able to train more. Um, but at the same time, it fulfills me so much. Mm-hmm. And instead of thinking about time lost, I kind of think about time gained. And I don't play this game with myself where I'm like, okay, so I'm with my kids and it's the squat challenge, right? So I'm like, okay, so must do the squat challenge, blah, blah, blah. But like, I'll actually, instead of doing that, I'll just say to myself, like, you're a dad you want your kids to be able to do these things. So just like get on the floor and play and, and just be a role model. Don't think about like getting in your training while you're with them. So that's like a big thing for me, but that doesn't mean that I don't move a ton with them. Well, right? that's, the, that's the point. So like training is something that like right. adults had to make up, right? right? You're just playing with your kids. You're actually really doing the thing. Right. And, and very, and like, I'm very physical with them. Mm-hmm. Like we have, we have wrestling mats. We, we used to have a guest room, but like who the hell comes any, here anymore. So we just took them out and put wrestling mats down. And it's like where I teach some of my zoom classes too. And every morning, like we wrestle, the three of us wrestle, the dog wrestles. And like, I'm rough, like I'm rough with them. Uh-huh. And like, sometimes I keep them. Sometimes I lay on them. Sometimes mm-hmm. I lay on them like wait for way too long. We have, uh, like, we have things to jump on. We have things to swing, to swing on. And all we're doing is I just want to make sure that they don't have the same experience that I have, which is, like, totally disembodied, mm-hmm. disassociated 80% of the time because you don't know, like, what the hell any of this is, like, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just trying to share with them this, like, loving, caring, real, um, hopefully beneficial relationship where they see me as a mentor they see me as somebody who cares for them and also is just trying to give them tools without actually trying to be like a dad right you're not i'm like i'm a father you're just like you're like you're like with them you're like present i'm just with them yeah and like i have a new thing where i just like when i'm with them i'm not on the phone ever Mm -hmm. and like sometimes like when i texted you today and you're like what the hell is the link like Jack was right next to me. And sometimes I do it, but I don't, if I have work to do, I go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't, I can't do that because even at four, Jack will get upset 
if mm-hmm. I'm on the phone. And I just noticed it. And like, he's a very sensitive guy too. Mm-hmm. And I can't have that relationship where like, uh, yes, I'm in the house, but I'm not present. Like that's terrible. So I just can't be on the phone around them. And I, when I'm with them, I'm with them. But I also have my time to do some of my stuff and I'm not with them. And I don't bring them all the time with me to the gym or to the park because I also need to be my best self mm-hmm. for them and for my community. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's insane. It's, it's, it's insane. Well, you know, someone who's a, a mutual friend of ours who has a great kid was, uh, I was just like asking about like parenting and doing some of this stuff. And he said this thing that was like so simple, but I thought it was really beautiful. He was just like, just get on the floor. Just get on the floor. Like yeah. whatever, whatever he's doing on the floor, I just like get on the floor and start doing, no matter how tired I am, I can get down on the floor. Right. Whatever he's doing with him. You know? Yeah. You can roll off the couch. Yeah. Just like whatever he's drawing, he's painting, he wants to build Legos. Like I can get on the floor and I can be on the floor there and do it. Yeah. And it's, and it's so true. And like you, you realize you make mistakes. You have this thing like you had where you realize like what, when I get to look back at things, when I meditate, when I do this, when I do that, and I get to look back at things and I realize like, fuck, what was I, like, what was I doing? Was mm-hmm. it so important for me to get on the phone and answer that message mm-hmm. that it, that my son was crying because I was there, but wasn't paying attention. And they know that they, they know what you're, really up to like they know how they're so much smarter like you know they know because they they have to be because they have to survive too and they have to make us love them in the beginning and within three months they start to manipulate you yeah and you realize like wow these they're they're maybe they can't move very well right now but they are in tune yeah like they know when i walk through the door they know like ooh, daddy's a little tired today or ooh, like daddy like that oh you know like they know these things so they're they're very sharp and as like duty talks about this duty someone that kyle and i both worked with is a phenomenal yoga teacher that we met through Edo. it's like they're they're closer to the source anyways so like what knowledge can i suck up from them yeah you know they're they're they start getting information the moment they like hit the ground you know and and they they have like parts of their brain right that are there to like understand breath and and expressions like these are like all things that like we like you said tools for survival yeah we i mean 40 again i'll go back to 40 we were uh jack was talking about being sad because we i talk a lot about him with emotions because these are important skills physical skills are great but if you don't have emotional skills you're just going to be another person like then you're just a physical person you need to have both Mm -hmm. so this thing of like I, I normally wear like big sunglasses, you know? Uh, and so I was sitting there, Jack was saying like he was really sad because of I forget what it was. And Forty kind of nudged me and was like, take your glasses off. And I was like, oh yeah, like, oh my God, you can't even see my eyes. Mm-hmm. Like they they need that. They don't need that. They just require it because it's a human element. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, most people aren't in tune enough to really feel into that. My kids can feel into this stuff. And like, I also, even the other day, Emily was saying, you know, like we, uh, we were, uh, we just bought some lands up in the mountains, mm-hmm. which I'll sell you some pictures after. 
and I was super excited about it. And there was other people trying to, there was like a bidding war and all this stuff and like all this is happening. And Emily comes up to me and she's like, man, Jack's like really, really having like, he's way too excited today. He's like kind of hitting Brady a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, how would you like, how would you say I am today? She was like, really excited. And I was like, like me and him are very in sync. Her and Brady are very in sync. Like our nervous systems are one. What speaks to like, you know, a lot of the concerns, right? Of people only playing video games. They're playing, they're playing in isolation, whatever, whatever they do in isolation is that like they're developing some skills for like self-regulating, but like they're not learning how to co-regulate. Right. Right. And that's like a big part of like being not just a human, but a, a mammal. But it's actually the perfect moment for me to slip in this other question that someone asked. And I have a, my own thought on this question, but I'm going to ask you. Um, they said, at what point do you think a person needs to stop digging into their past experiences and emotions? Surely if you keep digging, you will always find something. Oh, I mean, I'm going to keep digging. Mm-hmm. Like that, my horse, uh, my teacher who's a, uh, like a, a, horse, a horse teacher, mm-hmm. he says the same thing. He's an Air Force vet. And uh, I would show up sometimes after therapy and just be wrecked. And like some days, like he wouldn't let me work with the horses because like my nervous system and the horse's nervous system have to be like, and these are horses that like, I've been, you know, like almost kicked many times. I've been like almost stomped on. It's like pretty violent. This is the mammal thing again. This is the mammal thing. And this is why horse therapy is so, is so uh, like utilized. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I wasn't doing the horse. I wasn't doing the horse thing for therapy. I was merely doing that for my image of being a cowboy to be able to wear a hat, you know. But anyway, so um, yeah, I mean, look, it's a real question. I'm not digging so much. I'm mostly digging into one scenario that that I that is from what I can feel and what I'm being. Mm-hmm. Like what I can feel is is still hindering me from having some clarity in certain ways and what i mean clarity is i i I mean like i don't mean cognitive function i just mean there's something that just continues to be in the background that's a little bit unsettled um and so for me i'm not digging all over the place i'm just kind of digging in this one area um and, and i'm also not a i'm also not a i'm also not a therapist so i don't know I don't know the answer to that. All I know is for me, I understood what I was going to say was the horse trainer says the same thing. Like, of course, if you keep digging, you're going to find something. And also that's okay, right? Because worst case scenario, if I find something, I now have tools. Mm -hmm. So when something new comes up, like when you were telling me that story about, um, about your friend committing suicide, previously, I would have taken that sadness in from you. Mm-hmm. Like me, me, I, this is how I operate and mm-hmm. I'm learning this. I would have taken that sadness in from you and I would have kept it mm-hmm. and it would have affected the rest of my day. And maybe I would be an asshole to my kids later. Mm-hmm. Now what happens is you say that to me. I have the bandwidth to notice it. Mm-hmm. To notice that it's affecting me mm-hmm. and then to sort of like actually to be with you and to really feel into that sadness 
mm-hmm. and then it's not mine. Mm-hmm. Like I can't keep that for anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I was doing before. And so to answer the question is, I now have tools to notice if I'm digging too far or being too involved in other people's stuff or, right? Like I have these tools to say like, this is far enough. I, I'm not going any further. Yeah. Because if we dig, of course, you're going to find your dad did this, your mom did that, your blah, blah, blah. Wait, like, I realize what we're talking more about is like, is trauma. It's not about like, dwelling living every day where you're just dwelling on the past the whole time but like taking trauma that's affecting today the present like how you exist right now and 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 putting it in its proper place yeah i mean what's your what's your answer i mean i think that's what i was thinking because i don't have a ton of experience with these things i don't want to like explain but i just i realized that what we're talking about more like i said is is trauma We're, we're not talking about like digging into every every nuance of issues you know this person hit me this girl didn't say yes when I asked her out or whatever it was like oh these moments that were like have like found their place and are affecting like how I try to exist in the present that's yeah yeah and I can't speak to the other stuff because I don't have enough information on that but like you know I think like if there's something there I was like I found value in that experience of like suddenly realizing there was like a trauma that needed to find a, a place. And, uh, and, and I didn't know, I didn't remember this call. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, like I have a pretty bad memory. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a lot of things from childhood. I don't remember, uh, I didn't remember this call until I started doing some therapy and realized like, I got into my body finally and all of a sudden was like it just exploded and mm-hmm. I was like holy shit this this is what is this mm-hmm. so the digging isn't necessarily me digging in a certain area mm-hmm. the digging is me exploring my body mm-hmm. and being involved with myself you know mm-hmm. what I mean so it's it's not like I feel like I'm digging this continuous whole Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm i feel like i'm peeling away as a like feel like i'm peeling away as a way of expanding Mm -hmm. meaning i don't feel like i'm digging down Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm digging and peeling layers that allows for me to grow Mm -hmm. versus feeling like i'm digging into more depression or whatever it is right because that's an issue with some people is and many people talk about this like you kind of exist here at this baseline. You start going through th- some of these therapies, whether it's people are doing it, right? Obviously there's the MAPS research being done with psychedelics and there's so much research being done. Thank fucking God that people are getting help. Mm-hmm. But everyone kind of goes to this thing where you exist here at your baseline. And then I had this thing for like a year and a half where it was just down, 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 down. Mm-hmm. And I found, and I was, two of my good friends who are therapists recommended me to work with their friend as a therapist because they could just see it mm-hmm. in me that like I was just on this downhill thing. Mm-hmm. It was affecting my family life, it was affecting my teaching. And I got to this bottom position and where I don't want to say rock bottom, but I just got to this point where I realized like, okay, it's, it's in me. I have tools. 
mm-hmm. and now I'm going to get to go to work. And I don't do this every day. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, you know, I don't go to therapy every day. I don't even go every week sometimes, mm-hmm. but I'm now on the way up. And when things come up again, when I peel things away, mm-hmm. I have a tool. Like I have a toolbox, just like my movement toolbox. I have this thing and I don't dig. I just, open and I create more space and I create more availability and opportunities and more presence with my kids and my wife and my students and myself, which is, I didn't even know that I was a thing. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you don't, you don't know, like you are not, I was not given tools. I grew up in Connecticut where the only tools you're given are go make money on wall street. (laughs) That's the, that's the tool, right? Like that's the thing you're given, go to a good college so you can go work in finance. Right. Nobody gives a shit about the, the word tenderness. I love talking about that. Every time I talk to people about this, that's the word that keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's it. It's beautiful. Nobody talks about that. Hey, listen, we're talking about like tenderness and softness. Look at us. Yeah. Um, so just to switch gears, can you talk a little bit um, about the, what's happening with the gym or gyms? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like, how you've changed like the even just like the programming the structure how you're teaching how you're teaching teachers just like where it's going what's happening yeah um there's a lot of change actually it's it's nice it feels like we're getting to a point where we're we're making sense a little bit Mm -hmm. some sometimes even from a more like holistic approach of trying to tell our students like this is a life practice it was always easy to say those things, but now it's like, this is a life practice. This should affect you outside of the facility. You should be a good person. You should be a good friend. You should be able to help people out. You should be a physical person. You should be an emotional, maybe not emotional. You should be a, we'll say like an aware person, have a little bit of an internal practice. We're now taking things deeper, meaning we're actually going into certain subjects deeper. Previously, we were kind of like scratched the surface of all these different things, and nobody was getting great at any of them. Mm-hmm. So we were able to take a step back and say like, okay, like let's keep it really simple. Let's get our people very good at certain things. Let's get them, right now we're doing, uh, we're working with the graph and we're doing rolling. Like I posted a little video of me doing some little rolling work the other day. We're rolling, we're doing entries to the floor and building a system. Um, for our students to be able to explore that layer of their practice and to go really deep into it. Where like at the end of the cycle, people will be able to play, people will be able to do like expressive work. People also will have the utilitarian work, meaning that they can roll over both shoulders forward and backward. They fall off their bike or here everyone skis, everyone hikes, everyone climbs. Like people need to know how to do those things. Mm -hmm. Um, So right now we're focusing on like depth. Because I would much rather have, and this is, Liav helped me a lot with this. I would much rather do the movement practice as Ido talks about it poorly, but have our students moving well in six different ways than try to do the movement practice correct or well and have our students moving decently in 30 different ways. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I think the depth is where the, 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 the conscious incompetency comes from. Meaning when they see how far they can take 
their rolling work or their acrobatics work, then they can start to notice like, okay, now I'm actually interested in juggling. Now I'm interested in X, Y, Z. Back in the day, the practice was like always, okay, we're going to do this for 30 minutes, this for 30 minutes, this for 30 minutes, and that for 30 minutes, like four 30-minute sections, Mm -hmm. or maybe like a longer locomotion section. And now we just are sort of going at it and letting things take their time and letting Mm -hmm. things take physical time. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a class. Where today, like I did Ipsy Contra work, which is coordination work for those of you who don't know it. And I just sort of used that as a thread and everything we did in the class was based around Ipsy and Contra. Mm -hmm. So we did some stuff where it was like standing where it's like, okay, so we're like, you know, like we did our like Ipsy Contra coordination, which some of you guys know what it is. And then we did it doing cartwheels. And then we did it doing um, patterns. And then we did it doing and then we did, did it doing strength work. Um, and we can also do it during like doing our footwork. And instead of just doing it for 20 minutes, you can do it for the whole class, but expose them in all these different containers. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the class, even some of our new, newer students were just like, okay, Ipsy Contra, I know how much I suck at it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Like, as opposed to in the beginning, you're like, what is this? They don't even, you don't know, right? You're unconsciously yeah, incompetent. Like you really need to give things time. I mean, I learned this in jujitsu. Like you have to give things time to breathe, right? Like, you know, yeah. that's why it's like in jujitsu, it's like you have to roll for half the class because like that's the only way you're going to get this depth that you're talking about where you're like, oh, I, I feel some of this, right? right. If you work on tumbling or, or rolling on the, fl- on the grass once a week and it's only isolated to like 30 minutes you're just like that's like the equivalent of being like oh i'm only gonna feel what side control is like once a month yeah and we and and look with because of that i changed the class schedules up Mm -hmm. because i want and i know like right now people want to be able to go inside and and do their trainings we have barbells we have our rings we have our like the walls for hand balancing technical work Mm -hmm. But I realized the people who are coming most often are the people at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. And those people were, cut, were only getting, they were doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday inside, Tuesday, Thursday outside. Mm-hmm. And if people come, like, let's say, I, I look a lot at like myself, like if I'm, I'm a dad, I would probably only be coming to class Monday through Friday, right? Mm-hmm. That means if we have two outdoor classes, Tuesday and Thursday, but Tuesday is a rolling day and Thursday is more of like Ipsy Contra and some footwork. That means you're rolling once a week. You're not going to get good at it. And I was seeing that. I was, and like, no offense to our students. I wasn't allowing, Zach wasn't allowing, Liab wasn't allowing time to breathe, to actually get better at it. So what do we do? Now, every 9 a.m. class is outside because I'd rather them, the, the, and I'm only talking specifically 9 a.m. people, I'd rather them get really good at rolling and maybe lose a little bit of strength mm-hmm. because we can do the strength in the winter, but mm-hmm. we can't go outside and roll in the grass. And we need to cycle through things and we need, to, we need depth. Mm-hmm. I don't want the shallow movement practice. And again, that doesn't mean I need everybody to be able to do fighting and juggling this and blah, blah, blah. I just mean I want to show them that they are capable and that we can go places and they can do things that like, I couldn't backward roll. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? 
couldn't do a backward roll on both sides like when I first started. Mm-hmm. And and also like nor can a lot of martial artists do it to both sides. No, if you right? go to, like, if you go to a jujitsu class, even the guys who are best. I mean, I'm I remember being in class watching dudes who were like world champions always roll over the same shoulder. Come on, and that's uh, a, it's an ego thing. I'm going to ask you two questions at once that are written here. Okay. Um, these will be the the last two that I read. The first one, because you're you're talking about it right now is when does depth become specialization? Yeah. And then the second one is much simpler. They just want to know, um, they want to know when Denver is gonna happen and what that is gonna be like compared to what's happening. Yeah. Um, The depth specialization question is a great question. Sometimes you need to go into specialization and it's okay. I became, and many of our students, are specialists in hand balancing. Yeah. You ha- they hand balance every single day. Right. They go there in order to get a certain degree of mastery so that, I'm not going to say nervous system again. I can't say mm-hmm. it every second. So that they just have this thing installed. Because if you go, let's call it 80% of the way to getting a 60-second handstand, and you know you could get there, but you stop. That handstand will not be there for you in two years. But if you just went and you pushed it to 60 and you got to a certain point, that handstand will be there forever. The nice thing is there are, because we've been guinea pigs, myself, Zach, Liav, Harigo, Johnny Clayton, these guys who've been with Edo for a long time, because we were guinea pigs, I know in general what's too far. The one arm chin up me doing three one-arm chin-ups, but I couldn't move my spine well, that's ridiculous. A one-arm handstand for me maybe wasn't ridiculous, but try, like I got 27 seconds on one arm, 26 on the other arm. That was probably too far. So for some of our students, like Michaela, I posted her last month, she got a one-arm handstand, 10 seconds each side, perfect, great. You fucking did it. Now let's work on some things that you're not great at. Right. Learn so how to I think move, it's, not, now we get to learn how to move our feet. Yeah. And you get to exactly like everyone's obsessed with being able to balance on their hands, but nobody has interest in balancing on their feet. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a real feeling that I've, I went through. I was like, man, like I have been practicing a handstand, my, my handstand for three to five days a week for five years. And now I'm like, why can't I move my feet properly right. on the floor? And then like, I haven't hand balanced in two months. I kicked up today for a couple of things that I was working on. I'm like, it's fine. Yeah, it's still there. Yeah. Still got it. And because you took it far enough where it's there. And there are things that you need. There are people who should step into specialization. Mm-hmm. I have a fear sometimes of some of my students saying, ooh, I'm going to go to boxing. I'm like, oh my, oh my God. Like, number one, who's the teacher? Number mm-hmm. two, how much trauma are you going to sustain? Number three, why? You don't even, you can't even do basic footwork with me, right? So like try and just, right? So I try to have that conversation. I always have honest conversations. Some people, they have knee problems and they say, okay, I want to go do jujitsu. And I say, look, like let's fix your knee first and then I'll get you there. Mm -hmm. I also want people to be able to go out and explore. It's a life practice. That means I want you to go camping. I want you to go like 
this land. I can't wait to take the students up. We have so, so many fucking blown down trees. We're going to cut so much wood over this summer. I can't fucking wait to show people how to cut with a chainsaw, with a hand axe, all this. Look at what I got yesterday. Yes. Got nice hat. one. Um, nice one. I'll tell you, I'll tell you about, the, I'll tell you about the project later. Cause I'm doing it in like a okay. day, but I'll, I'll send you info about the project, but I have that. My hatchet came yesterday. I'm doing the project um, on, in two days. Okay, um, cool. But um, yeah, so I, I agree. I think, I think that like, you know, there needs to be like room to like ebb and flow in and out of things. And it's just to me, like once you start investing all of your time for five, 10 years on just one thing that's right. like hey as long it's i actually am like if that's what you want to do if you want to be a specialist totally Beautiful. fine thank you thank you but don't be confusing that with being a generalist right and also how about this simpler totally fine to choose to be a specialist that's like whatever the difference is i don't do anything with a specialist mindset mm -hmm. i do everything from a certain mindset mm -hmm. meaning I am trying to weave all of these things together. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean what can I extrapolate or take from specialists. I just mean when I go and I, when I'm boxing, when I'm doing jujitsu, when I'm doing acrobatics, when I'm doing, uh, when I'm playing, I don't want to say playing with my kids. We'll keep it at movement scenarios. When I'm doing parkour, I look at it from one perspective, which is how can I use my movement practice to help serve me in what I'm doing right now. And also what can this do to help me in my movement practice? Rhythm, timing, distance management, all of that makes sense in jumping, all that makes sense in martial arts, all that makes sense in dancing. Mm -hmm. There's so many more common threads in all of these movement tasks mm -hmm. than there are differences. It's very similar. And there's certain qualities you need to be a generalist, which like we, we could talk about those, but like, the ability to move centrally to distally, distally to centrally, have balance on your feet, move your spine, how you want it to move, um, be able to like adapt to certain situations, be able to look at something, have good eyesight, which isn't like we work, we, we work with people who are blind as well, but I just mean in general, like different types of vision. There's just these things that keep coming up and those are the, the things that I'm interested in researching, so. Mm -hmm. In, the mosquito in, on the wall. In, in the, um, the Denver school. Yeah. Denver, um, we're having a little, uh, like the group, I was going to say we're having a snafu with the floor, which that's, he said that like right now, we're trying to figure out how to get this floor laid perfectly. Mm -hmm. But I think that's pushing us back maybe a week. So mm -hmm. we're probably going to be looking to open somewhere in, I think we're shooting for August 1st. Okay. Um, right now, it's in uh, Edgewater Public Market, which is awesome. It's kind of like in this big area with uh, like all the food trucks that used that are kind of like in and around this area now have like full time uh, kitchens in there. And there's other there's like uh, a massage place next to us. Shake Shack's going in. Wow. So there's like this big community. There's a bar. There's a cidery. There's like outside seating. It's really cool. Um, it's actually like a really nice community and they have like local vendors inside. It's all like, they did a pretty good job for uh, like, you know, like a development. I'm actually really excited about it. Then the classes, Zach just added another class because they're busy. 
Um, we're doing outside classes right now, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our Boulder students have actually moved down towards that area. So some of like the guys who are guys and, and girls who have been with us for guys and girls, pe- people who have been with us for like a couple of years mm-hmm. have moved down there. So there's actually like some senior students that are able to also help bring up the group. So it's not just a, having some like purple belts walking around. A hundred percent because number one, they, as you know, when you get to work with somebody who's more experienced, you, you, you can take from the teacher, well, that's but the, you can't the take. Thing. That's another thing about right. culture games or, or, or practices is that there's an exchange of information from higher levels to lower levels, right? If you're out in the water and you're surfing, there's communication happening between you and like the elders, right? And you're learning if right. better people are giving newer people information, jujitsu, all these things. And that's another movement thing. Yeah, and it's, and it's just real because people can take all they want from me, but I can't give my full attention to every student, every class. Mm-hmm. I can be super present, but if there's 18 people in a class and it's me, I rely on the senior students to help me out. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's beautiful because then they can learn it even that much better. Yeah. But to go back to Denver, now, this is our second school, Zach. Uh, and Daniel are going to be kind of like the two primary teachers there. Uh, Robert Adams, who you know, mm-hmm. uh, just finished with his doctor of physical therapy. He's going to be guy. teaching with us. Great guy. Um, and then Grillo. Have you met Grillo before? No. Grillo's like the highest level capoeira. He's like the coral belt. I will use jujitsu terms. Wow. He's like the highest level um, capoeira teacher. So 20 plus years. He's been a great addition. Like we, before COVID, uh, I was teaching with him like he was in every class in Denver for like a year um, and so he's also going to be working with us and yeah and like it's going to be we're putting in the same bars that we have in Boulder but a little bit grippier because everyone's a little bit bummed out about that mm-hmm. N- nice floor uh, it's a nice bright space it's a bit bigger but like just walls bars the like sports floor that people like Rodrigo put in his facility mirrors a little community space, a couple of showers and bathrooms. Mm-hmm. We didn't do anything big with the community space because we're in this large community where there's like an ice cream place already. We're having like an ice cream social on Sunday. I think there. that you also, when you start, when you start swelling, selling like Denver swag, yeah. I think that there should be a Matt Bernstein calendar where it's just photos of like you and your kids for every month. Oh, that, I'm sure Zach would love that. I think it would sell. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I put on a little bit of dad weight, you know, so I'm just going to keep my shirt on, you know. Oh, that's all right. But, that's- but yeah, like, I would say the, the coolest thing going back to, like, Zach has this thing that I have, too. We're like, oh, my God, we're, like, building. A, it's a new building. So we're like, is there going to be the grit, yeah. right, that, like, we had, it like, in Boulder where you're, like, all the, right, the recycling places right next door. So, like, all the homeless people walk by and they, like, look in the window and they're, like, yeah. right? It's It's the the best thing about that is like it doesn't matter like yeah. yes we'll have a big open space yeah but it doesn't matter because the community right now they're training outside all day every day they show up early right and so they're, they're just doing they're, the thing they're like they've earned their stripes already yeah and and also like half of our students again like there's a lot of our senior students who are down there they've been with us through fuck when I used to make them stand in front of the mirror and we'd do forty five minutes of this. You yeah. know, and like if they stuck with us there, 
Yeah. You know, like they'll, they're going to be all right. So we're excited. I'm scared. These are weird times. Yeah. Right? As we all know. So I just want everyone to know, like, also this is, uh, like, I, I get a lot of texts of like, how do you do it? It's like, <laughs> how do I do it? I'm just as fucking scared as you are. And, um, I, I know we're going to be successful because I think what we're doing is special. And I think what we're doing me is meaningful to people. We're never going to be CrossFit. We're never going to be uh, a big yoga studio. If we could have five facilities by the time I die, that means we're impacting, let's call it 1,200 students. I did my job, you know, and like then third, and that, that's great. I don't, I don't think five, I think five, I want to help people, but I also want to make sure that what we're doing is real. So in Denver, we're going to keep it real. The programming is going to be very aligned with Boulder and mm -hmm. Zach. I'm going to teach down there. Zach's going to come up here. Mm -hmm. um, and we're just going to try to keep it as like one, one family as much as we can and try to meet halfway. It's about, you know, 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. So we can meet in a town like 20 minutes and train mm -hmm. together. And so, yeah. I love that. Is there, is there anything that you want to, to add? Cause I feel like this is like a good bookend. No, okay. I think me talking about uh, PTSD for 45 minutes was, uh, <laughs> was nice. I actually, I'm happy to get to talk to talk about it because uh, it's real. And, you know, for folks out there, PTSD doesn't have to come from being a first responder or a firefighter. Um, it can come from, many things so i just want people to know that um it's real there's there's great people out there to help and um you know you're not alone and uh yeah and also just like that same mentality i i really for my students and and honestly for anyone out there like we we take what we do seriously and i and we use that same mentality in trying to make your lives better but at the same time just as a reminder you make our lives better and i don't think we get to say that enough to you guys so thank you and uh thank you kyle for friend your friendship and um all those kind words at the beginning and uh, i love you i love you too well this is like this was special that's why i was like well whatever however long we're going i don't really care this is like this is an important this is an important moment yeah emily came in like 30 minutes ago with like it's <laughs> talking to kyle babe yeah, no, this is this was great. And I'm so happy that people, you know, stuck around to, to listen. And I think there's some really special things that you got into here. And I think when people go back and listen to it, they'll uh they'll they'll find even more. Um so it's just apecomovement.com. Is that what it is? Yep. Apecomovement.com. Um people ask why we changed the name. It's kind of like a Boulder, Denver thing, just like a Manhattan, Brooklyn, you know, or Oakland, San Francisco. So um, I love the story. Zach saw a Cape Cod sweatshirt that was folded in. So the mm -hmm. C and the D were off. He was like, Ape that's yeah. awesome. And we're like, fuck yeah. Yeah. But, you know. Well, who knows? When you, add your, when you add your third one, you might be like, you know what? We're done with Ape Co. 2. We're going to go with a whole new name for, for three. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Let's call it. Nah, there's already a movement climbing gym here. So it's just called movement. So. Yeah yeah you know well right go on. go eat dinner and tell uh your whole family that i say hi and uh i hope i get to see you guys soon i hope so too tell everybody i said hi all right man i love you i love you too all right bye bye